You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus Cacus. and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. It's too darn hot, it's too darn hot To our dismay as we suffer and bake Seems every day a new record we break As fires and floods spread across the land Republicans keep their heads in the sand Their idiocy I cannot understand Cause it's too darn hot The planet's hot, I mean really hot The weather's nuts, and is it getting strange? No ifs and or buts, humans cause climate change. It's a fact fossil fuels do most. It's their impact that is making us roast. We got our act or our planet is toast, cause it's too darn hot. According to each weather report, every state in the USA has been having nearly every sort of disaster with more on the way. From floods in Vermont to those raging fires that make air quality a shame. Read the news, it's clear who's to blame for making the planet too darn hot. Like of all, it's hot, insanely dangerously hot. Some right-wing leaders like to opine Global warming is good, you see Which simply goes to prove that old line It's not the heat, it's the stupidity These schmoes keep ignoring the scientists As they rake in the corporate bucks So they stall, cause they're all corrupt schmucks Who ensure that we can't do squat So if we want a shot to save our planet Damn it, vote them out before it's permanently too darn hot, too darn hot, it's too darn hot. Don't stop the video just yet, it's boring with a very quick reminder that these videos don't produce themselves, but you can help me by joining my Patreon, where for as little as $2 a month, you can help me continue to make videos that help you laugh the news, and otherwise make you cry. Thanks.
Lauren Mayer, getting us started on this Monday. It's too darn hot, damn it. Um, actually, it's cooling down here in South Florida because it's now thunderstorming. Yeah. I got. I, I had to take David today for an MRI. He's got this brain tumor, you know. Seriously. Um, so we, it was like a race to get back before the, the storming started. And thankfully we did. Um, but my goodness, for the last, I don't know, week, it has been, you know, in Florida in the summertime, there are thunderstorms every day. But it used to be that it would be the, the weather forecast was, you know, late afternoon and evening thunderstorms. It would be sunny in the morning. In the afternoon, the humidity would build and build and build, and then there would be a thunderstorm, and it would clear the air and get some of the 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 um, you know the the hanging steam uh, out, and then it would be a nice evening, and then rinse and repeat the next day. Now it's just been storming, and it's storm and. Oh my God, the, the lightning strikes are like here. You see it out the window. It's like flash boom. So it, yeah, it's not fun. And the ocean's hotter than they've ever been. And you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, getting more tropical every year. It's just, it, it's, and, and poor Jackson, my guy, you know, I've told you, you know, he hates the, the fireworks. Well, he hates the thunder too. So, there's this this um, product called Rescue Remedy uh, box. They make it for humans and for dogs. Um, we have both kinds in our house, and uh, so he he knows when it, it, it just calms him a little bit. So he's got his thunder shirt on, and he's juiced up with the Rescue Remedy. So uh, and he's quiet now, but oh my god! So like. Um, was it last night? I don't even know. It, it forgets sleeping when it's rain. And you know, sometimes a thunderstorm is good sleeping weather, but not when Jackson's in the house because all he does is bark. So there's that. Now, Friday, I apologize that I wasn't here on Friday. Uh, I made the call literally 10, 15 minutes before airtime. I was all set. We were going to have Digby on. I apologize for not writing a note on the website, on the Listen Live page. That's on me. I should have put something there because to those of you who called or emailed me over the weekend, I'm really sorry. I was just so frustrated. Um, and I've told you this is one of my issues. When I get frustrated, when I when I don't have control of something, I get, I get frustrated, I get really angry, and then I get depressed. <laughs> well, it was the anger part because what happened was Microsoft sent an update on Friday. And like an idiot, I restarted the computer. I needed to restart the computer anyway. And so when I restarted the computer, it did the update. And then I I put all of my files, just so you know, uh, the, the producer and me, everything's in Dropbox. I keep everything in Dropbox because I go between a bunch of different computers. And it's the easiest way to access all my files. Well, it wouldn't let me pull any of, it wouldn't let me open any of my graphics and it was so and i wasted like a half hour trying to figure this out and i blamed dropbox at first i'm like i'm cursing them out on twitter because you can't get a hold of anybody so i sent an email but when you tweet at them they notice and and so um um yeah so i uh, uh i was i was bitching out 
Dropbox, like just cursing them out on Twitter. And they sent me a direct message. And um, long story short, we realized it wasn't Dropbox at all. It was, God damn it, it was the evil people at Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft. They do this. They send an update. And then the gremlins come out. You know, and I have gremlins anyway. So um, anyway, I just called an audible and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing a show today. I knew Randy was off because on who, who I follow on progressive voices, although not right now because my piece of equipment is down. So we're delayed until seven Eastern until I get this Zephyr unit back so I can go live on progressive voices again. If you're wondering why the show is not on progressive voices right now, that's why we're waiting for the equipment to get fixed and come back. But anyway, um, so it was just, it was, it's like, it was Randy's off. I knew Brad Friedman was off. It's like, you know, I knew, I knew Stephanie was off. So it's like, you know what? Everyone else is taking today off. I'm just taking today off. The good news is, and here's how I know the ketamine treatments are working. Um, I did not, um, I didn't let it fester. I made the call. I said, you know what, I'm not doing a show. I actually put on a show from uh, a couple of years ago when the Midas Touch brothers were just breaking through and they came on the air with me. It was a really good show. And and at the time I had been I was suspended from YouTube because you know it's my life. And um so that's what ran on Friday. Uh so I I hope you got to hear it because it was a good show. Anyway. Anyway, so here we are. Now it's today. I had to go take David for his MRI and the thunderstorms and all that. But we're here. We're back. We're alive. Knocking on wood laminate that the power stays on because there's, a you know, another thunderstorm. And in Florida, usually, you know, we get a power surge at this time when there's a storm and all that. So, but, you know, we're, we're, we're going to plow through. And I have a great guest for you today. So, you know... Unless you've been under a rock or don't watch TV or follow media or anything, there's a big movie opening this weekend called Oppenheimer. And he was the Robert Oppenheimer, was a physicist. He was the father of the atomic bomb and um, the guy responsible for the Trinity test. So it was 78 years ago yesterday that they set off those first tests. In New Mexico, go figure. Maybe that's what the problem. Anyway, um, so um, that was uh, 78 years ago yesterday, That those first atomic tests of the bomb um, that they didn't warn anybody about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then this August, August 6th, will be the 78th anniversary of the dropping of the bomb on, on Hiroshima. So Greg Mitchell has been a a fairly frequent guest on this program over the years. When I first met Greg Mitchell, he was writing at The Nation magazine. Um, But this guy is, um, he's an author. He's authored something like 12 nonfiction books. He's a filmmaker. He's got three documentaries under his belt. Um, He's a journalist. He is a, a historian. And he specializes in the bomb. This is like his main topic. And in fact, the last time Greg Mitchell was here was for the release of a book 
that he uh, released a couple of years ago called The Beginning or the End, um, uh, How Hollywood and America Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. So, and yes, Simon Boyd, interesting. Simon Boyd in the chat room just asked, did he write for Craw Daddy too? Yes. Um, Greg Mitchell is also a music journalist. And this is one of the reasons that he and I have connected. Because in addition to all his serious journalistic work, he's got half of his everything goes towards music. So he's got a Substack newsletter that's politics and music. Um, and, you know, he, he his music tastes are, are, are like mine. So I told him, yes, you come on, we're going to talk about you know, the, the, the movie that he saw a screening of this weekend. We're going to talk about the history of the bomb and all that stuff. I said, but we got to save a few minutes for music because, you know, because that's what we do. Anyway, so um, Greg Mitchell will join us um, here at the bottom of the hour. So stick around for that. It should be, it should be fascinating. Now, I got to tell you, I am not a... Um, I, I mean, I like history, but I but the the subject of the bomb doesn't fascinate me the way it does him. Um, I I it 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 still upsets me greatly. I do not like even thinking about it, and I hate that this country dropped not one but two nukes on Japan. Um, there are those who believe that it had to happen; that it was the only way to end the war. There are others who think. The war was already ending, and it was unnecessary. Um, yes, and Hernan is right. Stanley Kubrick made Doctor Strangelove, which I believe, and I think Greg Mitchell does too, maybe up until now with Oppenheimer coming out on Friday, the best movie about the, the nuclear bomb. So anyway, we'll talk, we'll talk um, about all that when that's here. Hey, there's some breaking news right now. Uh, a judge is, just uh, blocked Iowa's six-week abortion ban. So that's good news for Iowa. But in case you were wondering, Florida's six-week abortion ban is in effect. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of... Uh, shit going on. Um, that, that's just not good. All right. So let's see. So I filled you in on what happened Friday, filled you in on uh, that. Uh, now, um, I got two things and I'm not sure which way to go, but um, I, I, because I, on Friday, I was, I promised on Thursday, I was going to tell you about this thing with the credit card interest rates. That's not going anywhere. I need to tell you what happened on Saturday because we have a we have some serious problems in this country and what happened um is a word of warning I guess. So I'm out David and I are out running errands on Saturday and I get an email pops up on my phone from Walgreens. Now, the only reason I use Walgreens is because my insurance through Florida Blue, um, says the only pharmacy I can use is Walgreens for, you know, for drugs that they will cover. So I have to. It's the only place I can go, which I really hate, especially since Walgreens a few months back uh, made the call that they would not distribute the abortion medication, mis mis misoprestone, 
I'm saying it wrong, but you know which one I'm talking about. Um, even in states where it is legal. And that was it. That was the final straw for me. So I transferred whatever prescriptions I could to Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Pharmacy and Amazon's Pharmacy. So, but if my if it has to go through my insurance, it has to go through Walgreens. So I, I, I go to pick it up. We go through the drive-through, pick it up, drive home, and I put the bag down. I didn't even open it yet, and my phone rings. And it's Walgreens. And a woman says, um, you just picked up a prescription here at the pharmacy? I said, yeah. She said, I need you to come and bring it back. <laughs> like, excuse me? This is, you know, this is Saturday afternoon. It was, you know, uh, hell plus 100 degrees outside. And I'm like, I, you want me to get back in my car? And drive back to the pharmacy to return the, the drugs that you gave me in error? I said, that's not happening. Uh, she said, well, you, you have to. Here's what we need it. Because the woman whose prescription that was needs her anti-seizure medication and we're all out of it. I'm <laughs> like, if you want it back, you can send someone over here to get it. And she says, well, let me see if I can do that. And then she comes back. She goes, oh, okay, we'll do that. I said, and then please bring my correct prescription. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, it was like pulling teeth. Like I was asking her something, you know, uh, outrageous. <laughs> well, she's telling me I have to turn around and go back to bring them her drugs, their drugs back. What I've learned since is, that's illegal. If a pharmacy gives you the wrong drug, once a, once a prescription, once medication leaves the pharmacy, they can't take it back. And if they do take it back, it's to destroy it. They can't give it to somebody else. And on top of that, not only that, HIPAA violation. I saw this woman's name and her drug, and I know that she needs anti-seizure medications. How the hell does that happen? And then this more, so I, you know, and I, t- I told the person who, you know, called me, I'm like, I, I'm like, you know, I'm going to report this. She said, oh, we already did. I said, yeah, I'll do it too. And I did because I'm a bitch and this is dangerous. Can you imagine if I had taken those pills? If I didn't look? If I didn't, you know, if I came home, it's like, oh, I needed this medication and I took one. Somebody, look, I'm not one to want to get somebody fired, but somebody should be fired and they should be fined an enormous amount for HIPAA violations. I mean, we have to fill out, you know, duplicate forms every time you go to the doctor, pages and pages for HIPAA. And they gave me this woman's name. Full name and, uh, you know, the medication she's on. Um, I'm astounded. So then this morning, oh, it gets better. This morning, David gets a call on his phone, a a message uh, that it's Walgreens trying to reach me. They have my phone number attached to my account. How they got his number, I don't know. I think they probably pulled up our address. It's asinine. So anyway, it was the pharmacist 
with whom I have had a run-in before. Because you know me, I don't hold my tongue. So uh, this woman's name is Kathy. I was going to say Karen, but no, it's Kathy. Um, And just so you know, I had a run-in with her when I was trying to get my latest COVID booster. And she was just just a rude and, and the only way I could describe it is a bitch. She was horrible. So, and I remembered her because she was just awful. And I'm thinking, this is how you talk to customers? So um, I called her back, knowing this was who I was talking to. She said, yeah, I understand there was a problem. And I, I said, yeah, there was. And um, I explained again what happened. She said, oh, that's not right. That's not what's supposed to happen. I said, I know that. And I, and I, you know, went through the whole thing and she said, well, um, all right, well, you know, I'm going to be reporting this. And I said, well, you know, just so you know, I already did. And, um, and then she said, is there anything else? And I said, yeah, you should just know that, um, if I were, wasn't required by my insurance company to purchase my medications from Walgreens, there's no way I would. And I said, and your store um, is a big problem too. I said, you've been really rude in the past. And she said, instead of saying, wow, you know, I'm sorry, what, what happened or what kind of, she said, well, you can always go to another store. <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, I always could. Um, and so when I hung up with her, I called Walgreens corporate and I filed a complaint against her again. Um, yeah, algorithm said, was it something you could resell? <laughs> I'm looking for the positive here. <laughs> no, because I'm not a drug dealer. Um, but, you know, I want these fucking huge pharmacy chains put out of business. So I, if I get Karen, I'm sorry, Kathy fired. Oh, well, she deserves it. And whoever it was, and, and their excuse was, well, the first three letters of the name of the drug were the same. Both drugs started with C-A-R. Are you kidding me? The person whose medication I got, her name was Teresa Rodriguez. As far as I know, that's completely different from Nicole Sandler. Just saying, I am so sick of incompetent assholes just skating through life. So, you know, um, uh, when you see something, say something. Don't let them get away with that. All right. While I'm on a roll, here's the other thing that, 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 uh, that again, that I was going to tell you about on Friday that I didn't get to. So I'm doing my bills on Friday, right? And I got to notice that that I was being I, I find, you know, I'm I'm really not. I do them all through the bank, through the, you know, the bank app. I hate doing bills. The only thing I'm really good at with money is spending it. But on this day, it's like, all right, let me let me take a look at these bills. And I noticed a late charge on one of my credit card statements. I'm like, well, how can it be late? I pay everything electronically. And I so um, BJ's. Great name for a store, by the way. BJ's, just so you know, here in Coral Springs, Florida, there's a big sign. The BJ's is right next door to Dick's Sporting Goods. There's BJ's right over Dick's and the signs. It's Florida. What do you expect? So anyway, 
I noticed that I was charged a late fee and I, and I tried to figure out why. And so I called them. And they and, and what what happened was BJ's changed from Comenity Bank to Capital One. And for some reason, it didn't get switched over in my bill payer. So they weren't getting the right, you know, the payment was going to the wrong place. So I explained it to her. I'm like, can you can you get rid of these late fees? Because, you know, I don't. I don't pay my bills late. And my, you know, my FICO score is really good. My credit is really good. Despite the fact that I have no money, I've been able to keep my credit score high. And she says, well, um, no, we can't because you were late. So my my APR was 29.9%. Think about that. 29% point nine percent they're charging me thirty percent interest on a credit card it it's it's criminal so I thought you know what let me look at my other cards the Costco card you know and any other day I'd say a twenty point two four percent APR is highway robbery right but that's like the lowest one they had. And I called them and I'm like, can you lower this at all? She said, oh, that's the lowest interest rate we've got right now. 20 point, 20 and a quarter percent is the lowest APR that Citibank Costco offers. Went to American Express and on the bill, it said my, my, my uh, rate is 23.99%. And I'm thinking that's too high. And I called and the woman says, oh, but your interest rate is not 23.99%. It's 29.99%. Why? Because one payment got to them like a day late. I, I'm, I'm astounded. So I canceled the Amex because I didn't owe them any money. Uh, Citibank, uh, the Costco we are only going to use, or, or BJ's, we're only going to use for gas because you get 10 cents a gallon off if you use the card and we'll pay it off each month. Let me tell you, who gives you the best rates? I have two credit cards now that I will use. One is Discover. The Discover card rate, 12.99%. And they've always been like that. This is not a commercial. And they don't charge an annual fee. Discover. They're really good. And the other is my Visa card through my bank, which happens to be a credit union, because I will not bank at a Wells Fargo or a Bank of America or any of these commercial banks. My, my, my Visa card through my credit union, my interest rate is 11.99%. You know, there's a word, usury. These are usurious rates. These should be criminal but they're not anymore. 30% interest on a credit card? It's astounding. Just astounding. So this is my public service for you for the month. Yeah, Janie, I love my Discover card too. They're really good. They will work with you. No, you know, but 29, 30% interest? Right. That's, that's um, Gambino rates. That's sickening. It, it, if it's not illegal, it should be. And it's certainly obscene. I, I, I just so um, there's my uh, my little homework assignment that I thought I'd share with you. Uh, check the interest you're paying on credit cards if you carry credit card debt, because and and the woman, one of the women that I spoke with, they're all women for whatever reason, um, said, well, that's because, you know, the interest rates have been going up. 
Yeah. She said, so prime is 8.25%. I'm like, well, 8.25% is a long, long road away from 30%. She said, yeah, well, we charge 11.9% on top of the 8.25%. I said, yeah, there's your problem. Robert in Naples. Robert? You want to borrow money? Can you hear me now? I, I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? I can hear, no, I don't uh, want to borrow money. Believe me, I borrowed enough it's money. Your money is, I'm not as bad as those other ones. You know, the first born, uh, your teeth, you know, yeah. how it works. And 30%? Anyways, no, that's, you're right. It is usury. It's crazy, you know, and it's sad because the people don't even know they're, they're getting they charged. They don't know. Once, you that's, know they get, that's why I bring it up. No, I know. And then, God forbid, uh, they make a mistake. Like, one time, I'll give you a fast story. I call about, um, you know, our RFK Jr. So I just want to make make this point with you, and then I want to make a point about him. Yeah. Um, Yeah, one time uh, we had a car payment, right? And my wife's like you all the time on time. Our credit scores are great, right? Mm -hmm. They, uh, you know, they didn't get, you know, their end didn't get the check. And the next thing I know, you know, they're they're counting, you know, they're they're jacked the, the interest rate on the car. You know, and it was like my wife had to go, you know, waste three hours of her life trying to fix it. You know, and like yep. you catch the check, it's right here. You know, oh, we're sorry. Yeah, sorry. You know, but then next thing you know, people who don't follow up are getting charged twice. You know. Yeah. Anyways, yep. I, I call for uh, JFK Jr. This guy. Why doesn't the Democratic Party have a mechanism in place when people go off the farm of crazy that they could say, okay, you're no longer a Democrat. Goodbye. I have no idea, you but know? you know what, Kerry Kennedy. Uh, Carrie Kennedy, who I don't know if it's his sister or cousin, I, you know, they're all the, the Kennedys. She released a statement today and basically said, you know, ignore the crazy man behind the curtain. Um, they, they're, they're like trying to write him off. The guy is nuts. I'm sorry. I, the guy is nuts. Yeah, he's, he is. He's sick. And, and I, you know, obviously, uh, Randy was talking about him an hour you know, before you. He definitely is a chaos agent. That's all he's trying yeah. to do is cause chaos. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, it's too bad uh, he didn't have a pilot's license. You know, we got we lost the wrong, oh. okay. wrong Kennedy. Right. Robert, I got to go because my guest is standing by. All right. Take it easy. Take Ciao. care. Stay cool. Bye. Uh, it's it's hot down here in Florida. All right. So Greg Mitchell is standing by. We're going to talk Oppenheimer and the bomb and all that stuff in just a moment. But first, a quick timeout. It's the Nicole Sandler Show. We'll be right back. I'm Nicole Sandler, and I've struggled with depression since adolescence. Now, I've seen my share of therapists over the years, though I hadn't lately. That's because it's gotten really difficult to find any good therapist locally, let alone one who you really connect with. So when I was presented with BetterHelp coming aboard as the sponsor of this show, I was thrilled. And since I'll only endorse products and services I believe in, I signed up to check them out. And BetterHelp makes it easy. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you go to BetterHelp.com slash Nicole Sandler. That way they know I sent you. And if you decide to try it out, they'll get 10% off your first month. You fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Nicole Sandler today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Nicole Sandler. You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. 
Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash sent by Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. This is a huge, huge issue. And we're talking about it. The Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com. All right, we are back, and I am joined by Greg Mitchell, who returns to the show. Um, Greg is a fascinating man. Uh, when, when I first... When I was first introduced to you, Greg, you were writing for The Nation magazine. But and then I, as I learned more about you, I learned that you're an author to 12 nonfiction books published, a filmmaker. You've got three documentaries. You're a journalist, uh, an expert on the bomb and a music freak and journalist, too, which is, I think, uh, why I have feel such an affinity for you. So if time permits, of course, we're going to have to talk a little music. But but you're here today to talk uh, about this film that's opening on Friday called Oppenheimer that most people have heard of now. And it's a subject that you have written about, made a film about, uh, that, that you are, um, I don't want to say obsessed with, but this is one of your main areas of interest. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. I always happy to be here with you, Nicole. Thank you. And uh, we'll probably get around to Joni Mitchell at some point. I but hope so. No, no relation, unfortunately. Oh. But, um, yeah, I've, I've been, uh, I'm, again, I don't know if obsessed, but I have written uh, continually about this issue in three books and hundreds of articles and directed a film, et cetera, et cetera, since 1982. So I go back, I know I don't look that old, but, uh, you know, I go back a ways. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, and so, yes, this has been one of the, the very few continuing interests uh, that I've written about uh, for four decades, over four decades now. So, um naturally when the Oppenheimer movie was announced and seemed to be coming to fruition I started writing about it as long ago as last December uh, raising some concerns from based on what I'd read about it so far and then through the spring and now it uh it's about to open and I have a you know I have a daily blog going uh, my book the beginning or the end which you you have up on the screen mm-hmm. uh a recent book that um was about the first movie from Hollywood on the atomic bomb in 1947. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of linking the past and the current and the future uh, by you know taking this opportunity to raise the same issues and problems with nuclear weapons that I've done uh, since 1982. Wow! Now, and it's you take an interesting. Um, tack to look at it in that you're looking at it kind of through a Hollywood lens. You did it in the book, the beginning or the end, where you talk, and we spoke about that book when it came out. 
um, that there was this giant Hollywood, basically propaganda push to legitimize the bomb. That's that was right. what that was about. And the movie turned out to be a flop, but it was a huge budget thing, and they got MGM, everybody involved, yeah, right? MGM. MGM? Yeah, MGM. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 I suppose the overview of the whole thing is that in the seventy-eight years since the use of the bomb there has been what i call a hiroshima narrative official narrative or whatever you want to call it that has uh, deemed the use sort of uh, unfortunate regrettable uh, etc but nevertheless necessary to end the war and that in fact it did end the war um i have a lot of problems as do many other historians today with that narrative but the fact is that has helped inform and driven my interest all these years because it hasn't slack that much it's slack somewhat uh over the years but still i would say it holds sway and of course it's interesting whether the christopher nolan movie which opens friday will put a dent in that mm-hmm. or kind of sustain it in a way uh it, it kind of we'll see what the younger people make of it i'm continually told that younger people know almost nothing about, about this subject whether it's true or not, uh, but they will be coming to the movie fairly open-minded and fairly uninformed, I would guess. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what they make of the movie. This is a bit of a detour, Greg Mitchell. But what I've also learned is that young people today know very little about the Vietnam War and the resistance right. mounted towards it. They don't know about the protest movement. They don't know about the draft dodgers. They don't know about conscientious objectors. They don't know what happened in the 60s. So, of course, they don't know what happened in World War II because right. we don't do a good job of teaching them. And now, if you look at what you know, the powers that be and what they're trying to do is they're trying to change all history and rewrite all the books. So right. um, it's more important than ever that we have historical um, depictions in the arts, because in many ways, that's the only way people are going to learn about it. But then again, it's hard to discern what what's real, what's fact from what's fiction. So well, you- I'd like to think uh, I'm mainly fact. Yeah, um, right. And, um, you know, usually throwing up facts to dispute fictions. But, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is what's what's, I suppose, driven me over these over these years is the fact, of course, that nuclear weapons are still with us. Uh, when I came to this issue, it was 1982, which was the height, height of the anti-nuclear or freeze movement. Right. Uh, and uh, but this issue tends to ebb and flow over the years, uh, and I suppose it ebbed, and now it's it's flowing a bit because of the Ukraine war and uh, a lot of threats surrounding that. Um, and now this movie, in, in a way, comes into an important time where there is, I, uh, I would say, a rising concern about nuclear war. Um, and perhaps new generations uh, that are open to a different view of it. And certainly the Nolan film uh, tries to hit that. You know, they have a very strong message by the end about the current and future dangers of nuclear war, um, you know, which which is very necessary. How it goes over with the audience will be uh, at the end of a three-hour movie. Uh will be interesting to see. So, Greg Mitchell, you're one of the few who has seen a screening of it. They've kept this film under pretty tight wraps. They have embargoes even on reviews 
until right. uh, what? Until Thursday or Friday? Something the mo- like that. Yeah, right. Thursday. Which is wild. The premiere was supposed to be tonight, but that's done. That's not happening because of the strikes. Um, none of. The, in fact, um, well, the premiere is had. The premiere is happening. They just but no red a, carpet. They don't have a red carpet. Yeah. So right. And mm-hmm. uh, and and the stars aren't most of them, I guess, are not doing interviews and I don't know, yeah, yeah. right. So, um, but I, I guess they really set it up because this film has gotten a lot of publicity, and you've been writing about it. So you saw it on Saturday. You saw a screening right. now. Now you have your regular Dale, your Substack, uh, which is about politics and music, which uh, I love because you include. The two things that I'm, you know, most interested in. Including an article by you. Yeah, yeah, yes, on my Joni Mitchell interview um, back then. And thank goodness she's doing so much better. But we'll, we'll save that. Um, uh, so, but so you launched a second um, Substack temporarily right. just to, right. to, mm-hmm. for all your thoughts on Oppenheimer because this right. is such a big deal. Why, why are you spending so much time and energy on this? Well, I, I guess because it's there, you know, um, and the Substack, I should say, is Oppenheimer 2023. So if you go to Substack and want to search, it's Oppenheimer 2023. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's so much to unpack. You know, he uh, he d- deserves a three-hour movie um, because of, he's such an interesting character, conflicting character, um, haunted character. Uh, and that's even before we get to his security clearance witch hunt in the 1950s that was his downfall. So, I mean, it's a guy who's in a way made for a major movie. Uh, but I, I have, despite my critiques of the movie, which, which you, you may read every day uh, now, um, the it is kind of amazing. I have, have to stop once in a while. And it kind of shake, you know, shake my head in amazement that there's actually a three-hour movie in, in 2023, given the... Uh, why don't we use the word crap? But uh, the you know the general focus of Hollywood movies today. I mean, Oppenheimer is not a superhero. Uh, some people mm-hmm. might have thought he was for a while, but uh, he's not a sequel. But um, you know, he's uh, it's kind of amazing that one of the top, very t- top film directors has managed to get a three-hour movie made about Oppenheimer. Now he, there's some content that I'm not crazy about there, but I would I would urge everyone to see it. And, uh, you know, come to their own conclusions about it. It's certainly great filmmaking, and I don't think you'd, you'd regret regret at all seeing it. Now, and, you uh, you said, though, in, in your new uh, the Oppenheimer 2023 substack, that you historically do not like overly long movies, but this, this was okay <laughs> with you, yeah? Yeah, it, the first couple hours really flies through, and I, I'm, you know, I'm so interested in everything, even about Oppenheimer, so the last part of the movie is really focusing more on his security clearance hearing, which some people may, you know, who knows, they may think that's the best thing in the movie. Other people may feel that makes a drag, but, um, you know, it does, it completes the arc, which is that this guy, um, after invent, helping invent the bomb and helping it get used uh, in Japan, um, then had a lot of regrets about that and had and 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 tried to block um some of the f- future developments like the h bomb and and other things so in a way it makes him more of a martyr which may be a little overdrawn but more of a martyr to uh someone who spoke out against what happened after hiroshima and um and paid the price 
So the, the subplot of how he lost his security clearance and basically ended his, his career as a public uh, servant uh, is important, mm-hmm. you know. But it's supposed to be fill this this kind of uh, uh, plot device or plot line that uh, here's a guy who did speak out and then paid the price. Uh-huh. So, um, and uh, but uh, but you know my my book, the beginning or the end, looks at the first movie, which uh, cut out every every criticism of the use of the bomb. Cut out uh, after Truman and the Pentagon got involved. Cut out every question about the future of nuclear weapons cut out even any mention of Nagasaki. Uh, It's like Nagasaki never even happened. Uh, So we've come a long way since 1947, but you know, one would hope that we would by, you know, 2023. You would think, but now the film Oppenheimer, as I've learned from reading your, your blog, um, deals with the lead up to it, everything surrounding, but not really the aftermath. In fact, the, the, the consequences of the bomb, all the lives lost, all the devastation, that's not addressed in the film, is it? Right. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure Nolan would say it is addressed in the fact that uh, Killian Murphy is such a great actor <laughs> that he looks haunted, that he takes it in. He does have a couple of visions, which last about 10 seconds in the movie of what may have happened there. Um, occasionally issues are raised about what might have happened there. You don't see any images. You don't see what happened at the other end of the bomb. Uh, You have to imagine it, and you have to imagine that he's taking that in. Now, that's a lot to ask from one actor and one character. So I think that's one of the things people may come out of it and say, okay, I get I kind of get it. He was, you know, he had some regrets. Uh, He thought maybe they didn't have to use the bomb, but I don't think they'd have any idea what the arguments were against using the bomb or quite why he was so regretful. And in real life, of course, Oppenheimer was very ambivalent. You know, if anything, the film uh, pictures him as a little bit more of a uh, taking a heroic stand and suffering and maybe some redemption by the end. But um, he was uh, hopelessly ambivalent about, uh, you know, about the bomb. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we, we and we really don't see the effects of what happened after it was used. Right. Um, but but and again, I guess they could have made a four or five hour movie. Sure. <laughs> perhaps. A series, yeah. One of the right. ten, 10 part uh, Netflix series. Sure. Right. Uh, the to, director's I'm, cut. You know, the, I mean, there is uh, a Sam. There's a PBS seven part Sam Waterston series, if you're interested, from 1979 or some such. Um, you know, there there is a. Even today, it's 78 years. So yesterday was the 78th anniversary of the first tests they did in the in New Mexico, right, right before they hit Japan. They did these tests, and this was this was Trinity. It was called right. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm so not a historian. Why don't you tell us what happened 78 years ago yesterday? Well, it was um, as everything. It's very complicated, and and it could be a, a longer story. But basically, General Groves, who was head of the Manhattan Project, taking orders from the White House and Pentagon, uh, really tried to wanted to get this bomb tested as soon as possible, which which is kind of shown in the movie. He was under orders to try to get it done before Truman went to Potsdam and talked to Stalin about it. If he if he did, uh, the idea was to get it tested so we knew that we had it, and then we could plan to use it. And we could, uh, you know, kind of uh, pave the way to uh, bully the Soviets or or inform them and bring them in. 
Um, so the test was pushed forward as, as the movie shows, as, as every movie. This was kind of the most boring part of the movie for me because I've seen every single movie on the, <laughs> the Manhattan Project and Oppenheimer and the Trinity Test and everything else. Uh, so this was the most boring part for me because I've seen it all before and uh, the test was uh, went off uh, just after a rainstorm and there was it really shouldn't have happened that day, but they were so adamant about get it going that uh, they did and of course it's a uh, great special effects and it's it's always something that filmmakers tend to focus on because nobody died at trinity at least at least not right away not right away right but people right. were uh, not warned and they were down right. downwind right. so from all this radiation out that they deliberately did not tell people nearby uh did not evacuate uh and in fact with oppenheimer's help helped suppress uh, uh, radiation information and uh, health reports and uh, warnings and uh, what, what is this new thing, radiation. Again, for the, for the young people out there, <laughs> you know, 1945 radiation, radioactive uh, effects uh, were not known until it was released after Hiroshima. Um, and so um, the Trinity test has this really grim kind of legacy. It also ushered in the new generation or the new era of secrecy in America, um, where they had to have this national security secrecy state. Uh, and um, so the Trinity um, uh, blast is usually pictured as a, you know, it's a great thing. It's a great that scientists did accomplish something amazing. There's a lot of drama. Um, and like I said, no one died right away uh, versus Hiroshima, Nagasaki, uh, 180,000 civilians probably died. You know, not a happy story for Americans, even though, you know, most people may still feel it was worth it, uh, which I would argue with. But in any case, um, that's why Trinity is so popular. So, but <laughs> and, I got to ask, so Trinity, so they, they tested the bomb and and, and it was a less, it, less than a month later, they hit Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. So was it it was a successful test because it went off and they had a mushroom cloud? I mean, what were the parent what were they testing for to make sure it worked? Well, yeah, they wanted to make sure it was work. It would work. Now it, they still hadn't proven that it would work drop from a plane. Oh my. So it was no given that it would work over Hiroshima, but certainly they needed a, at least one test um, you know, to to show that it could that the theory could work, which they proved. Um the Nagasaki bomb was actually a plutonium bomb, not a uranium bomb. So it was a different sort of uh, setup. And so there are people I don't uh, necessarily uh, agree with this, uh, if only partly, because some people say the Nagasaki bomb bomb was only dropped to test the plutonium. They wanted to test both types of bombs. Oh, uh, in fact, the, the Nagasaki bomb just kind of rolled off the assembly line. Um, and there was no one raised, you know, what's very revealing. And I certainly bring this out in my book. Uh, you know, my book basically tells the whole story of the making and the use of the bomb, even though it surrounds the story of this MGM movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you read my book, you'll get the entire context of the, the, a lot of what we're talking about today. Um, but you know, the fact is no one intervened, no one cared enough to intervene, it, to try to halt the second bomb. Oh. So it would, Japan needs more than two or three days to uh, be shocked and surrender. And so the Nagasaki bomb, I think, is aptly often referred to as a war crime. 
Uh, I'll go there. There are people, though, who I know and respect who still to this day justify it, justify the mm-hmm. two bombings, saying it was the only way to end World War II. Right. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've, you know, I've countered that argument for years. I mean, I, I, I came to this issue without a, a firm belief, belief on that. And as a more, the more and more I read, a tremendous amount of evidence emerged in the 80s and 90s and et cetera. Um, and, you know, I finally landed on the spot where the war could have ended uh, in that same time frame without the, using two bombs over two cities uh, and setting the precedent. Uh, and I'll get to that in just a second. But, you know, I, I just posted today uh, a reference to today actually is uh, also an incredible day in history because 78 years ago on this date, Truman wrote in his diary when he was talking about when he learned that Stalin had totally agreed to come into the war against Japan, you know, around April 12th, he wrote in his diary very clearly, it's not ambiguous, finny Japs when that oh, happened. So really? Truman was very aware once the Russians or Soviets entered the war, Japan would surrender soon. Uh, yet he continued to go on with the plans to use the uh, the two atomic bombs. Uh, it's a very clear sentiment on Truman's part. And that was also 78 years ago today. So, you know, the historical debate has been whether uh, if the U.S. had, uh, you know, number one, waited a few days for the effects of the Soviet entry into the war uh, to show up on the Japanese, if they had allowed in advance for instead of an unconditional surrender, if they said unconditional surrender, except you, you can keep your emperor as a symbolic uh, deity, mm-hmm. um, if they had allowed that, when in fact we later said we had achieved unconditional surrender and then left the emperor in place, you know, after we used the bomb. Uh, and, you know, the other, uh, the other thing that, 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 that really swayed, uh, I remember Kai Erickson got an article that had a big impact on this is the people who raised the question of the U S having to do an invasion. And, you know, so many American soldiers would die. There is no way that Harry Truman would have ever launched this invasion, which wasn't planned until December anyway, once the atomic bomb was tested. His decision at Trinity was use the bomb as fast as possible, no matter the consequences, or hold off. You could always, you could always use the bomb that invasion wasn't planned for months. There is no way that an American president who had a, atomic bombs in his pocket would ever launch this kind of costly invasion of Japan. Right. Um, so uh, to me, the the question of an invasion is moot. Truman might have waited a month and then used used five bombs, okay, but there would not have been an invasion. Um, so um, and just quickly, why that matters today uh, beyond the fact that so many people died in these attacks was that the precedent it set, and that that's really what has driven me since the 1980s is the fact this is not just a case of history read it and weep, uh, nothing you can do about it now, people are dead, and so forth. In fact, we set a precedent for future use of the bomb. And anyone who says nuclear weapons are too terrible to ever use again, you know, uh, maybe in the same breath, 
might say, well, but there are these two exceptions, you know, that we, I still embrace the use of the bomb right. against Japan. So if you can embrace the use of uh, bombs over two cities, killing 180,000 civilians, it kind of makes it difficult to, to say today we can never use them again. And certainly Putin is always willing to remind us that we're the only country to use them. And when uh-huh. we lecture him, lecture him about the bomb, he says, well, you, you know, you guys used it twice. So who, how do you get off? But it's, it's the exceptions that we make that set, that kind of ease the way to future use. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's something that you can't take back. And that's something that, uh, uh, I hate to say Putin has a point there, but Putin has a point there. <laughs> Putin has a point. <clears throat> and, and it's frightening because every day I worry, you know, I worry about people in Ukraine and on the planet. Look, we're, we've already yeah. destroyed the planet. I'm just waiting for the world to end because. Well, that, and that's why I care about these movies going back to, you know, my book on the first movie is okay. How, how, how was this presented? You know, John Hersey's famous Hiroshima article had just come out in The New Yorker, which raised uh, doubts about the use of the bomb. And was it really the only thing we could do? So they had to shoot that down, uh, which they did. Uh, the MGM movie in 1947 was was uh, an example of that. And, uh, you know, certainly other films that followed uh, did the same thing. The media has adopted that line. Um and so it's been, I don't want to say it's been a lonely road for me, but uh, definitely been a minority road. And, uh, you know, I hope, and uh, d- despite its flaws, I certainly hope the Christopher Nolan movie has a big, big impact in opening minds, at least, about this, this issue. And you do recommend it. You know, people in the chat room have been, um, throughout the throughout the course of the interview, Invoking Dr. Strangelove, which I still think is the best anti-war movie ever made. But and yeah. you you have a nod to it in the title of your book, The Beginning or the End. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was actually actually my most influential movie I ever went to. I was I, I was about, I don't know, 14 years old or something. And I went to see it on my birthday uh, and it just. I would say it changed my life, but I do look back at it as, ah, I can see where the seed got planted there. It was like my favorite movie of all time. And uh, gee, what amazing I ended up spending so many years writing about this issue. Right. And again, um, somebody asked, what book is he talking about? Well, it's up there on the screen, but for those listening, the beginning or the end, and then the subtitle, which uh, I've got in tiny print there. Tell us, read it for us. Hollywood and America learn to stop worrying and love the bomb. I love the which is a takeoff on the subtitle of Doctor Strangelove or okay. how I right. Um, and, and again, that that was. But you you do also talk about an, uh, there was another movie was Ayn Rand. You said sat interviewed yeah. Oppenheimer twice. Was that for a film or for a book or just yeah, because there was a Paramount? I have a big piece up today on LitHub, which is a great. Uh, site devoted to books, LitHub, about the, this rival movie, and I just in a, just in a capsule, basically Paramount challenged MGM to make the first A bomb movie. Uh, they hired Ayn Rand as a screenwriter. She wrote fifty five pages, which are I, I read all of them. There, it's quite quite laughable. And so Paramount uh, ended up dropping out of the race. But it was it was a serious two heavyweight studios competing to be the first to make an A bomb movie. Uh, one of them happened to hire Ayn Rand, but the other one didn't do much better. Uh, it also turned out to be kind of a joke. 
Wow. Um, you know, there's so many other questions. There's questions coming up in here, like Spocko asks about the precautions the generals put in place to stop Trump from dropping the bombs. Have you heard anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's coming uh, coming out after the fact, of course, that uh, his, you know, his military advisors and joint chiefs and so forth, defense secretaries were freaked out over the possibility that Trump could order the use of the bomb. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that's what's. That was all all true. And and somebody else asked about Einstein, and I know that he he had was very conflicted throughout all this. He signed off on that bad movie, right? He yeah, uh, yeah. He was kind of he he kind of gave up. He didn't really you know at a certain point he just said, oh, what the heck? I'll I'll sign sign anything. He actually uh, without giving away the ending or anything in the movie. The in the Nolan movie, Einstein is a real kind of a key character. He's barely in it. But I think most of the movie, when you watch it, you'll wonder, well, why do they occasionally show Einstein? He doesn't seem to have much to do with anything in Uh 1945. But there's a big payoff at the end, I'll just say. Okay. Well, we can look forward to it. It opens on Friday. In the meantime, or parallel to, you can uh, read Greg Mitchell's book, The Beginning or the End. We Can can we still watch the film Atomic Cover-Up? Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, it's online. uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that was my most recent, recent film about it. And of course, uh, you know, I'd also recommend the Substack Oppenheimer 2023, which has links to all sorts of things. So if you go there, you'll, you'll find all sorts of things. Absolutely. And it, and if you subscribe to Greg's, uh, regular Substack at Greg Mitchell, one word dot substack.com, you'll get politics and music, which of course we didn't get to, just Joni Mitchell. And, and uh, I've seen clips. I've seen, thank God for YouTube in 2023, because I can live vicariously. Brandy Carlisle did a, a few shows at the Gorge in Washington. Yeah. And, and the first night was Joni Mitchell, who played a three hour concert with, yeah. with Joni yeah, and no, friends. She's, she's, uh, you know, she, uh, I, I was, I think, uh, the first person to really post a bunch of videos from her Newport comeback, mm-hmm. which shocked. I still remember that Sunday afternoon. I remember <laughs> it too. Suddenly, awesome. what? Joni Mitchell appeared at the Newport Folk Festival? Totally out of the blue. Now you kind of almost expect she picked up this Gershwin Award yep. and had a great version of Summertime. Yep. Uh, you know, I think there, there's a live album of her Newport show that's coming, coming out, out. yeah this summer yeah uh, so now it's like oh yeah Joni Mitchell she's uh, she's, she's starting to come back she's around uh, you know Brandy Carlisle's buddy uh, but she really shot out of the blue uh, you know not very long ago so it's, it's great to see she's still uh, still hanging in there it is and you know what because I think musically as you started writing about Oppenheimer there's a song that has nothing to do with Robert Oppenheimer but a great song from the old 97s called Oppenheimer Road and I kept, mm-hmm. if I could play music on the show without getting copyright violated, I would have used that as a theme to play out at the end okay. of this interview. So go listen. Old 97s, Rhett Miller, he's great. Oppenheimer, on this road called Oppenheimer. Go figure. Um, Greg Mitchell, thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. Thank and, you and me again. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll uh, talk to you again soon. Hope Maybe right. hopefully before next year. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, Greg Mitchell, you can still follow him on the Twitters at Greg Mitch. Um, but, but do subscribe to the Substacks. Um, uh, the daily one, of course, Greg Mitchell.substack.com and the other one, Oppenheimer2023.substack.com. And what he said is once that, um, uh, you know, once the, he's done writing about the movie and all, it'll go away. So it's just a temporary thing.
All right. Um, and with that, we're done. So Friday, Digby was supposed to be here. Uh, of course, I canceled on her. She will be here tomorrow. And then Wednesday, my old friend, who I haven't seen in 30 years, uh, Dave Jolliffe, who's on the executive board of SAG-AFTRA, who's in the midst of all the striking negotiations and everything else, uh, I believe he will be here on Wednesday. All right? And then, um, yeah, I'll fill you in on the rest of the week tomorrow. All right? With that, power stayed on. It's still raining. It's still hot as hell. Stay uh, cool, everybody. And uh, hasta mañana. Thanks for listening. Uh, Adios, amigos. Bye.